Hello and welcome to today's Here's to Your Health podcast. I'm Don Lintzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. And my guest on the podcast today is Alicia Doherty. Alicia is the Chief Program Officer at Plains Area Mental Health. She received her Master of Social Work degree from the University of Iowa. She provides services for children, adolescents, couples, and families, and has experience in inpatient, residential, dual diagnosis, and outpatient settings. She's an approved clinical supervisor and provides supervision to clinical staff at Plains Area Mental Health. And joining her today is uh, Lindsay Nielsen. Lindsay is the Assertive Community Treatment, or ACT, team lead. And thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. The reason that we have you today is because May is Mental Health Month, and it um, it's one of those subjects that people like to talk about, but then on the other hand, they don't want to talk about <clears throat> because there's so much, there's still a stigma around uh, mental health. And so I want to begin today, and uh, whichever one of you wants to take this question, I'll let you do that. But what does it mean to have a, a mental illness? I'm going to start by giving you the textbook definition, um, and I'm happy to hear that you're aware of the stigma because um, I'm going to go into a little bit of the um, definition that kind of combats that stigma. The textbook definition is a condition that affects someone's thinking, feeling, mood, or behavior and causes an impairment in their daily function. So there's a difference between um, a mental health issue and a mental disorder. So if you have a treatable disorder, it means it's causing um, a certain number of impairments in your daily life and your daily function. At Plains Area, we like to consider mental illness and mental health being on a continuum, exactly the same way that we consider physical health as being good, fair, or poor at any given time. And so the old model of thinking about mental illness is mentally ill versus not mentally ill when really it's on a continuum of good fair or poor at any given time and can change along that continuum throughout a person's lifetime so um, the days where a mental illness diagnosis sticks with you for life are kind of over and that can change over time the other thing i wanted to say about that is that mental illness is truly a disorder of the brain it's a disorder of the neurotransmitters um, there's a lot of scientific research backing that now that mental illness comes from the chemical signals between neurotransmitters having trouble and those kind of things. So just as diabetes is a disorder of the pancreas failing to create insulin, these are disorders of the brain failing to create the proper neurotransmitters or the communication between those neurotransmitters. So it truly is a biologically based disorder. You know, you mentioned earlier, Alicia, uh, how mental illness can affect what goes on on a daily basis for people. So let's talk about that for just a second. What does mental illness affect for people? Um, each mental illness is different, but I would say one of the first things that mental illness affects, regardless of the mental illness, is insight. It changes the way a person views the world. and so. The person may view the world as more negatively or more scary, those kind of things. So it definitely affects the way we think and it affects the way we feel. <clears throat> so I would say like for depression, which is really, really common, it affects a person's ability to even get out of bed. So something that someone who has a zest for life might um, see as easy to do, like getting out of the bed, out of bed in the morning and starting their day can be extremely difficult. So that person may have to talk themselves into it for several minutes and things like that. And so 
that kind of underlying um, attitude and not having a zest for life is going to affect all of our other relationships and behaviors like wanting to make friends, be with friends, wanting to go to work, our function and performance at work, those kind of things. And so it affects our mood and it affects our motivation and our in our behaviors as a result. My guests on the podcast and our video today are Alicia Doherty. Alicia is the Chief Program Officer at Plains Area Mental Health. And she's joined by Lindsay Nielsen. Lindsay is their ACT team lead. And we're talking about mental health today because May is Mental Health Month. And uh, I think one of the things that comes to mind for a lot of people, including myself, uh, is is there a, a particular cause for mental illness? Um, there are some predisposing factors like inherited traits. Um, basically, it comes from evolution. Like um, research is showing, like if you if you have generations of family that were raised in an act like an anxiety provoking war torn area, then you're going to be biologically predisposed to having anxiety and those kind of things. Or if you live in an area where there has been a lot of like generational trauma or trauma, as I mentioned, war, um, you might be more predisposed to um, have those kind of body anxiety reactions and that kind of thing. So there are some pieces of this that are inherited. Um, it can sometimes be exposures um, before babies are born, you know, drugs or trauma. Um, some of it's brain chemistry, which can also be inherited, but can also be affected by environment as you're growing up. Um, and I would say the biggest factor or cause, cause is a strong word, is trauma, big and small trauma. So we all know about big trauma these days. We know about car accidents. We know about abuse. We know about um, natural disasters. I think some of the traumas that we don't think about every day are traumas like where you have public humiliation like being fired from a job or being bullied in school. Um, one of the biggest traumas we see is being bullied by someone in authority, such as a teacher or, you know, in those kind of situations. And those are the traumas that are very common and are the reasons that lead people into treatment for mental illness, but are often overlooked. We call those little T traumas. We have the big T and the little T traumas, but I would say overall, um, some genetics, but mostly traumatic experiences or negative experiences as people move through the lifespan. In my own opinion, you know, there's this huge spectrum of mental health, which starts at what you've talked about already, you know, a difficulty just in terms of daily living. And then mm -hmm. you hear about people who are involved in mass shootings, uh, who obviously are exhibiting, you know, some form of mental illness. And, and usually the question that people ask is, you know, why didn't they see any of the warning signs for this particular individual who acted out? If you were thinking about that, I mean, what sort of warning signs would you be looking for uh, for people who have uh, those kinds of mental illnesses? Do you mean external warning signs like what we see on the outside or things that people are experiencing on the inside? Right, I think maybe on the outside is what I'm more interested in. Um, you know, I think that if you look at function, you know, like we, we discussed earlier that you have to have an impairment in your function, you know, like you talked about, um, yeah, sleep is a big one. Do you want to go into that? Yeah, like, I mean, sleep impairment is one of the biggest things you see across multiple um, diagnoses. If there's someone not sleeping, they're sleeping too much, they're eating, they're not eating too much. Um, those are really big indicators that something's kind of going on that we need to really kind of check on 
because it impacts our behavior. If we're not sleeping through the night, we can't think clearly. Mm-hmm. We can't make our judgments clearly. And so that kind of is an indicator that something's kind of going on with us and we need to kind of get it checked up on. I would say like social withdrawal, you know, and we're gonna go into later maybe some of the more common types of illnesses, but um, sometimes that's natural with autism spectrum disorders and things like that. But being socially withdrawn, um, I would say the biggest indicator is a change. So a change in behavior or function. So if there's a significant change in behavior or function, that person probably needs to be assessed. So they're not doing the things that they used to do. So they used to be with friends, but now they're withdrawing, or they used to have better performance and now it's declined. So like a change in behavior or function is a really good indicator. Um, One of the things I didn't go into in causes is attachment. So like human relationships are really important. I mean, even for like, let's just say animals in the wild, attachment is important because without attachment to, you know, other beings, you can't survive. And so um, attachment is often overlooked in mental health, but having natural supports and those human relationships are very important for mental health. And so a lot of times when you're talking about the mass shootings and things like that, it's because that person may have been born with a predisposition to have mood disorders and things like that, things that push other people away from them. And so um, they don't get that kind of human interaction that they need over time. So um, I think something that's really important to mention is that when you're seeing that like in early childhood or childhood, instead of condemning and punishing those individuals, what they actually need is more human interaction and more patience and more nurturing to kind of help them develop um, those natural human instincts and that natural human attachment that maybe was a difficulty at birth because of, um, you know, drug exposure, trauma exposure. Sometimes it's just biological or even a birth trauma where there was a difficult birth and those kind of things. And so, um, I think attachment is also a big cause of mental health problems. And then that ongoing interaction with the system that actually causes more trauma instead of increased nurturing and human attachment. My guests on the podcast and video cast today are Alicia Doherty and Lindsay Nielsen. They're with Plains Area Mental Health. Plains Area Mental Health uh, serves a number of communities in Western and in Northwest Iowa. And one of those happens to be Denison. And we certainly appreciate uh, your being here with us today. What are some of the more common types of mental illnesses or disorders? Um, in the United States, as we talked about earlier, major depression is a is a big one. Um, that is the one that is most commonly um, developed from that kind of chemical imbalance that we talked about earlier. Um, basically, when you're feeling depressed, like your neurotransmitters are not working. And, you can actually see that in moderate to severe depression. You can kind of tell whether those transmitters are working based on you know that person's behavior. When you've reached a certain point where that's no longer working, um, like medication therapy is absolutely necessary. So like with with mild depression, sunlight, exercise, those kinds of things can, can impact that. But um, if you're moderate to severe, you're going to actually need treatment or that's not gonna improve. So major depression is the most common. Second to that is generalized anxiety disorder, then obsessive compulsive disorder, um, which is where you you have either behaviors that you must do or things that you must check. You've probably heard a little bit about that. Bipolar disorder, which is severe mood swings is next. Then schizophrenia. Schizophrenia um, involves, you know, having either delusions or hallucinations. 
then autism spectrum disorders, um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is diagnosed in childhood, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, and then substance abuse. In your experience uh, and in your your work, Alicia, uh, what kinds of treatment are available to people? I mean, I think you've already touched on a little bit of that, but then the follow-up question to that is, can people with mental illness recover? They definitely can recover um, with the appropriate kinds of treatment, um, medication management, they, um, that can make a big impact on the, as we talked about the brain chemicals, but also therapy. Um, we do a range of psychotherapies at Plains area. Almost all the modalities that we use at Plains are evidence-based. Um, it's really important for people to follow their treatment plan if they wanna recover. I would say the majority of time when people don't recover, it's because they're not following the treatment plan that was prescribed to them. Um, there are things too that people can do on their own, such as mindfulness and meditation. I cannot stress enough the importance of exercise and sunlight and mental health, especially if it's someone who is avoiding getting treatment because of that stigma that you mentioned earlier. Um, exercise is good for our mind and body. I strongly encourage exercise more for mental health than I do for physical health because when you exercise, you get those endorphins in your brain going that can combat both the the mental impact of a mental illness and also those brain chemicals. And so exercise and sunlight um, and diet are, are the most important things. And then after that, um, for more moderate to severe cases, you are gonna need probably therapy to start and then a recommendation or an evaluation for medication management. And supports. My guests on the uh, podcast today are uh, Alicia Doherty and Lindsay Nielsen from uh, Plains Area Mental Health. Uh, and we're talking about Mental Health Month, and I, I suppose one of the questions that uh, people have in mind, at least I do, is if, if I see someone that I think is exhibiting symptoms of mental illness, what, what should I do? Um, I would say the most important thing is to refer them to a professional. And I'm not saying that just because we're in this business. I'm saying that because mental health is really nuanced. It's very individual by the person. And so it really takes a professional to look at all of the aspects of a person's life and then decide on the best course of treatment. And the best thing about getting an evaluation is that you don't have to um, go with those recommendations. You can go to the evaluation and then that professional will give you those recommendations for you to make an informed decision about whether you wanna use those things we discussed, diet, exercise, meditation, or you know follow through on a course of treatment. So. I would say whether it's planes or somewhere else, the most important thing is to refer that individual for an assessment. Um, we talked about stigma earlier. Most of the suicides that happen in the Plains area catchment area are people who have never been in services. So I can't stress enough that if you're seeing someone with symptoms, the most important thing to do is talk to them about how it's okay and it's normal and it's a biological disorder and then make that recommendation for a referral. At Plains area, we do do open access, um, which is anyone can walk in for an intake any day of the week. We start during business hours at eight, we go through lunch. We do um, recommend that people be there by around three, just because the eval takes about an hour and a half. So we do kind of have an end time during those business hours, but um, doctors, specialists, other healthcare professionals and human service professionals can refer people just 
to walk right into our doors and also you know anyone can walk in on their own and kind of get that recommendation recommendation and evaluation we do at plains um this started in september of 2020 do a whole person care evaluation so our our new clients actually see a nurse for a health screen to cover that whole person care aspect so we look at um, the physical health needs the mental health needs and the substance use needs on every client walking through the door so when you come you get that whole comprehensive evaluation to look at everything that's going on with you so you can make the best informed decision about your care Alicia, we only have a couple of uh, seconds left in our podcast and our video cast today but for somebody who is in Denison or Crawford County and they're watching the video today or they're listening to the podcast what what's the best way for people to access uh, mental health services in Crawford County? I would say honestly just to walk in to our office. Um, our front office are trained to kind of um, script you know how to best engage clients in care and then um, get them involved and discuss their payment options, discuss what will happen next, those kinds of things. Um, I, I think that's probably the best way to access care is just to walk right in. Um, you can also call our 800 number, 888-546-0730, um, and that will actually funnel you into a main number for any of our locations um, to, to ask any questions you might have that would prevent you from you know, wanting to walk into our doors because of that stigma that we talked about earlier. Well, May is Mental Health Month, and we have had on our program today Alicia Doherty, the Chief Program Officer at Plains Area Mental Health, and Lindsay Nielsen, the ACT Team Leader, the Assertive Community Treatment Team Leader. And uh, we thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Don Lintzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. We care for life.